Welcome to the Gas Street Podcast. Our vision as a church is to be light for the city. We really hope you enjoy this message. Hey, well, good morning. It's great to welcome you here on site. It's great to be joining with you online. My name is Tim and with my wife, Rachel, we're the pastors here. Now, we have five children. And uh, when our second born, Simeon, was born, on the uh, day after he was born, he was brought home and we had a little girl, Phoebe, who's here, 15 months old at the time. And my parents, when they came to visit, they brought this baby doll as a little gift for Phoebe. And is you know one of those gifts to the you know daughters just had a younger brother saying, look, I know you've got a younger brother, your world's falling apart, but you're still loved, you're still valued. And uh, it was in this packaging. It's called Baby Annabelle, and it said, you know, hug and squeeze, and Baby Annabelle will giggle and laugh. And any parent will know when you get these toys, they put them in this plastic packaging that's near impossible to open up. And, you know, so Phoebe's like ah, ah, salivating next to me. I'm like trying to, you know, cutting yourself on this thick plastic. Eventually, I opened the present. I got baby Annabelle out. I passed her to Phoebe and Phoebe gave her a massive hug. The batteries are now long dead. But rather than laughing, baby Annabelle began to cry. They'd made it on the laughing and giggling a bit, not the crying bit. And Phoebe freaked out. She threw Annabelle away and was terrified of her. And so we, we put her high up on the top shelf and you could see Phoebe when she'd walk past baby Annabelle, kind of giving it a wide berth, this sort of demon-possessed doll that her granny had given her. And uh, we began to explain to Phoebe that when you have a baby, babies cry. And when they cry, you don't put them on the top of a shelf. Uh, you, you gather them close, you cuddle them, you comfort them. And so we gave Phoebe another go with baby Annabelle and she began to get it. And the two of them became inseparable. We couldn't go anywhere without this wretched doll. And if you can see it more closely, like it's clothing, it's like biohazard, you know, I'm gonna have to sanitize my hands after this. But baby Annabelle was a good gift misunderstood that became an object of fear and confusion. And I think for many of us in the church today, we view the Holy Spirit in the same way. This good gift, but it's become this thing of misunderstanding and has led to confusion and fear. Perhaps you have, feel you don't fully understand who the person of the Holy Spirit is what he's come to do. So you keep him at arm's length. Maybe you've been to meetings or seen things on YouTube with people crying and laughing and falling over and you're like, no way, that is not for me. Maybe you feel that you're not good enough, that the gift of the Holy Spirit is poured out on the super elite Christian, the SAS of Christians. And that's not you. So you settle for less, you hold back. Well, today we're celebrating Pentecost globally in the church. We remember that moment over 2,000 years ago where the Spirit of God was poured out on the early believers in such power that it completely transformed the whole of history. Just imagine that you have 120 
believers gathered together in the upper room. Jesus has died, has been resurrected, has ascended to the heavens. And before he ascended to the heavens, he said, go to Jerusalem and wait to be clothed with power from on high. So they gather in this upper room, 120 people. And it's a ragtag group of unlearned fishermen, of tax collectors who are despised by society, of men and women who are marginalised and they're waiting. And they've just been through this incredibly traumatic experience. Firstly, their friend, the rabbi, their leader, the one that they had begun to believe was the Messiah, the long-awaited Messiah who would lead the Jewish people into freedom, everlasting life. They'd seen him brutally crucified on a cross. And in that moment, as Jesus breathed his last breath, they must have thought that everything that they believed in, all that they put their hope and trust in was a lie. But then three days later, Jesus Christ is raised back to life again and suddenly He's walking amongst them and they're freaking out, their brains, their minds can't understand or comprehend what's happening. It's like, you are the Messiah. Everything you said, it is true. The elation and excitement. And then Jesus ascends to the heavens and as He says goodbye, imagine that slight tinge of sadness that again, their great friend is no longer gonna be in person walking alongside them. They're navigating all of this. And so they're huddled together in the upper room, probably massively afraid, fearing that the Romans are gonna come and capture them and arrest them. Will they be crucified like Jesus was crucified? So there's this anxiety going on, but also there must have been a sense of excitement. I mean, just what, They'd seen over the last few days and Jesus said, wait to be clothed with power from on high. What would this mean? And so it's in that context that we read this passage in Acts 2 where the Spirit of God is poured out. It's gonna come up on the screens. Acts 2 says this, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Extraordinary. All of them filled. You know, this sound of a blowing of a violent wind ripping through the building, tongues of fire separated, resting upon them. And how many were filled with the Spirit of God? All of them, all of them. All of them. And look at the impact of this moment. Firstly, we see the Apostle Peter, who days earlier had completely betrayed and denied he even knew Jesus Christ. This man who'd been gripped with anxiety, he stands up in front of this gathered crowd and he begins to tell the story of who Jesus is, what he'd come to done and the life that he is offering them. And we read that 3,000 people repented and put their trust in Jesus Christ. But then begin to look at the community. God begins to galvanise together. Again, these disciples, ordinary men and women who often we see in the Gospels fail to understand who Jesus was, fail to understand what He'd come to do. These disciples who'd argued with one another about who would be the greatest. Disciples who'd pushed children away, said, get him away from Jesus. These disciples who fled when Jesus was arrested and were nowhere to be seen when He hung on a cross. It's not a great group of faithful leaders 
But look what God begins to do amongst them in Acts 2, after the outpouring of the Spirit at Pentecost. We read this of the early church, that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. So we see this worshipping community gathered around the teachings of Jesus Christ, worshipping together. It goes on, everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. So we see the early church now moving in signs and wonders. Miracles became commonplace. The things that Jesus Christ had done, now the disciples were doing. All the believers were together and had everything in common. We see this united, clear sense of purpose and mission. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. We see radical generosity. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. We see the church explode into life. We see a sovereign move of God that turned and flipped the world upside down. And today we celebrate Pentecost. Today, as the people of God, we remind ourselves that the same Spirit that was poured out Pentecost over 2,000 years ago is here today and is wanting to meet with us, to equip us, to embolden us and to release us to do the things that Jesus Christ did the wonders and miracles that we see and we read about in the book of Acts are not consigned to history. They are for us today. It is our destiny, it is our calling, it is our birthright to step into being a people who see signs and wonders that don't make sense, that they speak of the power and the love and the goodness of God. This Pentecost wasn't a one-off event. Move forward into Acts 4 and we see Peter and John, these two apostles. They're preaching the gospel message and the religious leaders at the time, the Sadducees, are enraged. The Sadducees didn't believe that resurrection was possible and here they are saying Jesus died, was raised again and can change you. And so they pulled Peter and John before them. They held them as captives. They threatened them and they released them saying, you must never, ever, ever preach this message again. Peter and John return to the apostles, the believers, and they're huddled together in a house and they begin to pray. And this is what we read in Acts 4. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. And I love what they prayed. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. In the midst of challenge, opposition, oppression, they gathered in prayer. And again, the Spirit is poured out. The room begins to shake. And how many were filled with the Holy Spirit? Some of them, those that tithed, those that read the Bible every day. No, all of them, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. And again, look at the impact, looked at what happened when the Spirit of God was poured out. 
says this, continuing in Acts 4, all the believers were one in heart and mind. Again, we see this clear sense of purpose, united vision to reach out to the world. No one claimed that any of their possessions were their own, but they shared everything they had. Again, this radical generosity. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, moving in signs and wonders, miracles becoming commonplace. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them that there were no needy persons among them. We skip over that. That is remarkable. You know, if we ever think for a moment that God's spirit is to create these woo, feel good moments and whenever a church just kind of gets sucked into getting so navel gazing about feeling and experience the spirit of God, we've missed it. The spirit of God is always to equip and empower us to love and serve and to draw those in need in and to provide and care for them, to build family. And we see that here. There was no needy persons among them, not because they were good, kind people, because the spirit of God gave them compassion to love those around them. From, from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, bought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anyone who had need. Again, a sovereign move of God and the implications, the impact is remarkable. Now, I hope this excites you as much as it excites me. This transformation, the possibilities that are available to us today, 2021 in Birmingham. And this is everything that I'm living for. To see a sovereign move of God in our time, in our land, in Birmingham. And I believe God is calling us as His people to hunger and to thirst and to ask for more. I remember a number of years ago going to Canada and had the joy of going to look at the Niagara Falls. And the Niagara Falls is this amazing, awesome sight. 600,000 gallons per second flow over the edge. It's awe-inspiring. And I remember stood there watching this beautiful sight and I felt God begin to speak to me. I felt God say, Tim, this is a small picture, an insight into what my spirit is like. Spirit of God that is beyond measure, that is limitless, that is powerful, that is stunning. And yet often in the church, people treat my spirit like a well. You know, with a well, you dig deep, it's hard work, and you, you get a small bucket and you bring it up, this limited supply of water. And we, we just think the Spirit of God is just like this limited supply. But no, God was saying, you need to view me like a Niagara Falls standing underneath me would be so overwhelming, you wouldn't survive. And I've got so much more to give you. And in the midst of what has been such a challenging time, so many setbacks, so many of you I know have navigated complex, painful things. But look at what God is doing amongst us as a church. We're beginning to see more and more people come to know Him. We're beginning to draw more and more people in this city uh, around us and beginning to serve them and care for them and provide for them. We're beginning to do the things that we saw the early church do because God's Spirit is at work. But... We're only just getting going and we need to be a people that ask for more. That's what God put in my heart from a young age, a hunger to ask for more. I keep doing it. When I feel disappointed and discouraged, I, I step before God and say, Lord, I know there's more. I ask for more. When I'm feeling um, overwhelmed and weak and at the end of myself, God, help me. I ask for more. 
When I screw up and I mess up and I sin and I get on my knees and repent and I stand up before God and say, Lord, I ask for more because we need more and there is more available. We need more of God's power, more of His presence, more of His love, more of His comfort, more of His wisdom, more of His healing, more salvations, more breakthroughs. We need more of God's Spirit. And He's a good Father who longs to give us the gift of the Holy Spirit. As Jesus said when He walked amongst the disciples, that one was coming who'd equip and empower us to do the things that Jesus did. It's exciting. It really is exciting. And I could look at so many more scriptures through the book of Acts about the Spirit of God being poured out. But I want to look at one more. And this is in Acts 10 where the Apostle Peter, a man who was born a Jew, begins to receive this vision of going into a Gentile house, Cornelius. And God speaks in this crazy vision and you can read it in Acts 10. But Peter defies all cultural norms. He actually steps into this Gentile's house, which would have made him ceremonially unclean. Every Jew would have been disgusted and shocked that Peter would do this. But Peter knows God's called him. So he steps out, breaks all the kind of religious rules to follow the Spirit of God. The whole sermon on that for another day. And uh, he goes in and he begins to tell Cornelius and his household, they eat together and he begins to tell them about who Jesus is, what Jesus has come to do and the life that Jesus has to offer them. And he prays for the Spirit to come and let's see what happens. Acts 10. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who'd come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Who did the Spirit of God fall upon? All of them. All of that household were filled with the Spirit of God. And this was an incredibly pivotal moment for the church because this was the moment where the church began to outwork God's call, His promise and His command prophesied in Isaiah 49 verse 6, where Isaiah the prophet prophesied, I will also make you a Gentile, sorry, I'll also make you a light to the Gentiles that my salvation may reach the ends of the earth. God had said to the Jewish people, you're blessed to be a blessing. You're my people, but you're blessed to be a blessing to others. And then he says, you're gonna be a light to the Gentiles. Those people that you're separated from culturally, you're actually gonna carry the good news of who Yahweh is. And you're gonna carry the gospel message to the ends of the world. This is the moment where God's Spirit is poured out, where the Jewish leaders, Peter and John and others begin to see, oh my goodness, we need to carry this message, not just to the Jews, but to the Gentiles and to the four corners of the earth. Put it very simply, we would not be here today were it not for the Spirit of God being poured out in Cornelius' house. And the church recognising this good news, the power of the Spirit was for everyone, for everyone. And this is what the Spirit of God comes to do. The Spirit of God empowers us to outwork the plans and purposes of God. Let me say that again. The Spirit of God empowers us to outwork the plans and purposes of God for our lives. And that's why we need to be bold in asking. We need to hunger and thirst for more of God. And we need to recognise my own translation. We are stuffed without the Spirit of God. Thank you. 
Message translation, watch out. We need to understand our poverty here. We need to understand how impotent we are as followers of Jesus Christ without the Spirit of God at work within us. Some of us have got so comfortable. Some of us are so familiar leaning on our own strengths, our education or our bank accounts or how well presented we are. I, I was just thinking, is, you know, it's so moving when Luke just bared his heart, that is the heart of God, that we'd see God's Spirit poured out on so many people. And I know people here today, you're watching online or maybe you're in this room thinking, this is a little bit weird. And you're right, but this is what, Paul says in 1 Corinthians, uh, it says, God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things to shame the strong. You know, God never operates in the way we think He will or He's not waiting for us to get strong or have it together or work on how we uh, can orate or organise or lead or Create No, no, God's Spirit moves in power and sometimes it can feel foolish. It can feel strange. It's not how we would do it, but we need as the people of God to recognise without Jesus' Spirit in us, we will achieve nothing of eternal value. I love what John Stott, the writer, thinker, author, pastor says, he says, without the Holy Spirit, Christian discipleship would be inconceivable, even impossible. There can be no life without the life giver, no understanding without the spirit of truth, no fellowship without the unity of the spirit, no Christ-likeness of character apart from his fruit and no effective witness without his power. As a body is without breath, so as a body without breath is a corpse, so the church without the spirit is dead. Let me read that again. As a body without breath is a corpse, so the church without the Spirit is dead. You, me, we are the church. Don't think about buildings. Don't think about institutions. You and me are the church. And if we don't have the Spirit of God alive in us, we're dead. We're lifeless. We're not going to do anything that God is wanting us to do. And the good news, and we're going to end with this, is God wants to lavishly pour out His Spirit on anyone who asks. You don't need to build your way up to it. You don't need to earn the right of it. It's a free gift. He lavishes on us. All you need to do is very, very simple. You just need to ask. You just need to ask. So, so we need to recognise our desperate need for the Spirit of God. But we also need to recognise in the church what is available to us. I feel like many in the church, we're sleepwalking, we're just drifting through life without understanding all that God has in store for us. These stories of God's Spirit being poured out, we don't just read about them in Acts. We see right throughout history, God at times pouring out His Spirit on His people and radically changing situations. I could share so many examples, but I wanna look at John Wesley. John Wesley founded the Methodist movement and at a time where England was drunk on gin, was facing a revolution, was morally corrupt, the church was in irrelevance, the world and the England was in a desperate state. And John Wesley and a few other men began to pray and began to seek the Lord and began to travel on horseback around England preaching the good news of Jesus. And John Wesley, he says this, this story in his journal, Monday, January the 1st, 1739. 
Mr. Hall, Kitchen, Ingham, Whitfield, Hutchins and my brother Charles were present at our love feast in Fetter Lane with about 60 of our brethren. About three in the morning, as we were continuing instant in prayer, the power of God came mightily upon us insomuch that many cried out for exceeding joy and many fell to the ground. As soon as we were recovered a little from the awe and amazement at the presence of His Majesty, we broke out with one voice. We praise Thee, O God. We acknowledge Thee to be the Lord. A sovereign move of God that was poured out and that saw England transform a great awakening, a great revival that saw the church explode into life and society changed because the Spirit of God was poured out. Oh Lord, that You would do it again. Oh Lord, that You would do it again in our time, in our day. You know, just even as we continue, I think here and online, God's just gonna begin to break your heart. God's Spirit's just gonna begin to meet with you in a powerful way. And if you need to kneel down or lie down, do what you have to do. But this is a deeply personal message for me. because everything I'm living for is to see a sovereign move of God. You know, I I love everything that God is doing amongst us and we've worked really hard. We've invested in things online and love your neighbour and gather church on site to try and do everything that we're called to do. But what I long for is a move of God where It's unstoppable where no one knows how it started. No one knows quite what to do. And it's not down to any preaching or any songs or any online lights or whatever. It's just something God begins to do. And God's put that dream in my heart and nothing else is gonna satisfy until I see God's power move at our time in a way that transforms, that transforms nations. And when I was 11 years old, actually my wife was at the same conference called New Wine, 1989. And I grew up a Christian, my dad is a pastor. But I remember walking into this conference and in the worship, there's about a thousand people there just being so overwhelmed by this reality that these people were singing not about God, they were singing to God. There was such passion and intimacy in the room and it was so noticeable. And then there's a talk and at the end of the talk, someone said, come Holy Spirit. And the only way I could describe it was as if heaven broke loose. And people began screaming. People began laughing hysterically. People began falling all over the place. People were being healed. And I remember as an 11 year old, I was completely freaked out. I was overwhelmed, I was shocked. I had never seen anything like this, but it felt so good. There was something about it that felt so right. And I began to understand that it was the Spirit of God beginning to set people free, beginning to empower people to do the things that God had called them to do. And I remember going forward and being prayed for and falling over in the power of the Spirit. And over those next few days, I would often find myself in tears. I I saw some extraordinary things. And it was at that time, I made the choice that I'm gonna give my life to follow Jesus all the days of my life. Nothing, you know, nothing could ever get close to the excitement and joy of following Jesus Christ. And I knew from age 11, I knew that I was gonna do the things that I'm out working today. And God put within me a love 
for Jesus. I came home and I, I just had to spend time worshiping God. I learned the guitar so I could start worshiping on my room and on my own. And at that time, this is back in 1989, two other great friends of mine, Matt Redman and Martin Smith, they were also at those meetings and they were also very powerfully filled with the Holy Spirit. And this movement of worship began, began to flow out of the UK, particularly to America and beyond where these songs of intimacy and love that carried something of the Spirit began to unlock something in the US church. And it was just a stunning move of God. And it, America had so much better quality, better production, better singers, better musicians, all of that. But there was something the Spirit was doing, a purity, the breath of the Spirit on these songs that just unlocked so much in America. That was the fruit of God's Spirit being poured out. But I, th I think of Alpha. We were planted from this amazing church, HDB, and Alpha began to be outworked in the mid 90s as this move of the Spirit was being poured out. And Nikki Gumbel had this vision to gather people who didn't know Jesus to explore faith. And to this day, nearly 30 million people globally have done the Alpha course. That was a fruit of God's Spirit being poured out in the late 80s, early 90s. At times it looked so foolish, it looked stupid. People mocked it, but we're seeing the fruit of God's Spirit being poured out today. Church planting. Back then, the early 90s, you, we'd have never dreamed or imagined seeing some of the things we're seeing today. Plants, churches, growing, the speed they're growing, having the impact they're having. It's a fruit of a sovereign move of God. And this is what I believe. And I feel a bit vulnerable sharing it because I'm putting myself out there. But what we saw in the early 90s was God's Spirit poured out to renew His church. It was a great renewal, an awakening of worship, a call to mission and evangelism. The church arising, being rebuilt. But what I'm praying for, what I believe we are gonna see and what I'm hungering for is a fresh move of God's Spirit, a sovereign move of God that doesn't simply renew the church, but it revives our land. It awakens this country to understand that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth and the life, that He is the one who brings hope. We need a move of God, not just to renew the church, but to transform society. That's what I'm living for. And I'm not gonna stop because I don't feel we're seeing it. I'm not gonna give up because I pray and I don't feel anything. I'm not gonna stop because you preach the message and no one responds. No, because I believe God will do it because it's His heart to do it. You know, this move of God, it can't be engineered. We can't pull it down from heaven. It's a gift ushered in, I believe, through prayer. But let's understand how desperately we need this. I mean, look around at our world. Unbelievable identity crises. No one knows who they are. No one knows where they belong. People are desperately confused. People are chasing after lies. The world is saying, this will make you happy. This will fulfill you. This will make you feel like you're a million dollars. And yet we're seeing anxiety levels skyrocket, mental health through the roof, loneliness, pandemic. Whatever the world is offering it, it is not working. So many pursuing selfish gains, survival of the fittest. People are lost, alone, anxious and afraid. And the answer is Jesus. And it's the Spirit of God that reveals Jesus to us.
It's the Spirit of God that takes ordinary, screwed up, messed up people like me and like you. Because you guys email us to let us know what's going on in your lives. We get an insight. We get to see all that's going on. And Rachel and I, you know, we're not fully sorted together. You know, two in the morning, trying to get our kid to sleep, snapping at one another, getting ready to preach this message today. I don't stand up here feeling like a spiritual giant, but praise the Lord. He's not looking for spiritual giants. He's looking for people who are available and who are hungry and who dare to believe that God's Spirit could be enough for them, that God's Spirit could use them. And I'm here today to say that God's Spirit is to be poured out in all of us. I end with this. You know, this is about, I believe, entering a time where we're gonna see God's Spirit meet all of us in our meetings. We're seeing more and more people hearing stories, people experiencing the Spirit in a way that they haven't for years. And I believe we're gonna start seeing in our meetings the Spirit fall in ways that we just don't know what to do. And you need to be free to go with it. Don't deny it, don't hold back from it, don't think you'll be judged. No, 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 we need the Spirit of God. And I don't care if we look foolish. I don't care if I look foolish. I don't care if I'm a blubbering wreck because I long to see a move of God and it's not gonna happen through eloquence or music or brilliant coffee or lights. It's gonna happen because God's Spirit is poured out like He did at Pentecost, like He did at Acts 4, like He did at Cornelius' house, like He did at Fetter Lane with John Wesley, like He did in the early 90s, like He's gonna do, I believe, in the weeks and the months and the years to come. And I end with this Scripture, Luke, 11. How can I be so confident? Not because I've got kind of good feelings in my gut, because this is what the Bible says, the authoritative Word of God. So I say to you, this is Jesus' words, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds and the one who knocks the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if you ask for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask for Him? Amen. Why don't we stand? Why don't we stand? I love what the author, Andrew Murray, not the tennis player, Andrew Murray says, let your heart be filled with a deep conviction of what you lack a desire for what God offers and a willingness to sacrifice everything for it. So Lord Jesus, we stand before You and we wanna recognise, we wanna acknowledge what we lack. Lord, we, we, we bring before You at times our apathy. We bring before You our disbelief. We bring before You our just comfort. We bring before You just getting obsessed with the finale of line of duty or, you know, what new thing we're gonna buy for our house or ah, are we gonna get to go abroad for our summer holiday or how are we gonna pay for this, that and the other? Lord, we, we bring that before you. We say, Lord, we know that ultimately we're nothing without You. Your Word says the Spirit gives life, the flesh counts for nothing. We acknowledge our poverty, our desperation for You. Where would we be without You as we were singing earlier? And God, we ask that You put within us that desire for You, that hunger for more of You. 
may we be willing to sacrifice everything for it. And so Spirit of the living God, would you come now? And we're just gonna wait. We're just gonna wait. Band are very quietly gonna keep playing, but we're just gonna wait. And don't worry about what is happening to anyone else. You might be here or you might be watching online. You don't believe in Jesus. Maybe you wanna say, God, if you're real, reveal yourself to me. Come, shake us, equip and empower us. And online, even if you're sat on your sofa, in your kitchen, making a coffee. I believe God can meet you where you are now. Come Lord. And we're gonna wait like they waited at Pentecost, like you commanded, wait to be clothed with power from on high. keep waiting I was watching someone talking about some of the things that God did in the 90s and this person was a young guy himself and he said you know he was like two or three at the time and he said I, I never really got to see it and he said I'm 25 now and I've never really been in meetings where the Spirit of God has powerfully poured out and that really struck me and again I'm jealous for the younger generation to experience the Spirit of God for my kids for young people in this church. And so if you're under the age of 25, why don't you just raise a hand high if you want to and ask that the Spirit of God would be poured out in a powerful way upon you to equip you and empower you to live the life that He's calling you to live. Lord Jesus, awaken us. God, more of you, God. 
We don't want to settle for less. We want more, all that you have for us. Like the Niagara Falls to be overwhelmed by you. see God's Spirit is resting on people. Some of you are visibly shaking. Others of you I can see are weeping. Some just feel the weight of God's presence. But more of you, more of you, Jesus. Just the other thing as well is as I was scooting my boy this morning to church, just began thinking about people who maybe experienced God's presence in the past, but for years it's felt like you haven't. And I felt like this image of dry wells being opened up. And so, and I think there maybe, I think there are a whole bunch watching online. You're in your 40s and your 50s, you're feeling disconnected from gastry maybe because of online and you haven't been here, you're feeling a bit disconnected from God and maybe like, disconnected generally but I just believe God wants to pour His Spirit upon you now He wants to pour His Spirit upon you now and where you've got so overwhelmed with business and family life and just the enormity of everything that's going on I just God wants to meet with you in power again draw you back to that childlike faith just unsettle you where you think you know it all oh, I've seen it all where you've become cynical jaded boring Spirit of God wants to come and break through that. So come, Lord, do it. We're just going to wait and we're going to worship. And just think if God's Spirit is on you, maybe as a way of responding, usually we get you to come to the front, but maybe for a while, why don't you just kneel down? Just kneel down. If you can, if you really sense the Spirit of God powerfully on you, just kneel down. And as you kneel down, as you say, I'm experiencing you, God, I believe He'll do more in you and through you. So if that's you, kneel down. But the rest of us, Let's continue in worship. Thanks for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out. If you want to find out more, visit our website, gastreet.org, or follow us on Instagram at Gastreet Church.